It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this. Oh, what a hmm, what a thorn in the side Thursday, this 15th day of December 2022. May yet turn out to be, my goodness gracious sakes alive. Hi, I'm Robin. This is The Horn. Head on dot live is where you find us on the interweb tube. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Wacky Zany re- Real-Time uh, Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza. That is the Horn Chat, uh, chat Room, the uh, three hours of this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, whatever time it is, oh, when you're listening to the podcast. And, uh, well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening, via, for listening via Apple Podcasts, via Stitcher, via uh, Spotify. We're on Spotify. Thank you for listening via Podbean. And for those of you who are just, I guess, I don't know, maybe into Exxon Mobile ads or something like that, thanks for listening on TuneIn. Uh, but uh, then again, I don't know how many of those. I don't know how many of those platforms besides TuneIn uh, and Head On Live carry the program actually live as it happens. So. But thank you for listening, however it is you choose to listen. And our this is, the I think, the third day, maybe the fourth of our humble request that wherever it is you listen to the program, especially the podcast, but if you listen live, that's cool too. Like it, thumbs up it, heart it, whatever. But let, let the algorithms know that we're here, you know? Kind of like the Who's down in Whoville. We're here, we're here. Um, because maybe it'll help grow grow the community some, which would be wonderful. Because, well, I don't. I, I've never seen this be to, to be so much about me as it is about us, not me, us. But you know, our community together, engaging in conversation, observation, discussion, and in many instances, it goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, if you would do that, that would be really helpful. And uh, 
Of course, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So consequently, we say thank you to our 15th day of the month subscribers. And that means thank you. Um, thank you to Nagla, and thank you to Robert. Thank you both for being partial sponsors of the program. Uh, thank you so very much indeed. So where does that leave us? Well, the fundraising goal stands at 1100 uh, $1, bucks. Um, it, then that's basically everything but $100 of this past Monday. So, yeah, 1100 bucks, And uh, just to, well, uh, uh, what... Uh, for those of you who listened to the whole program yesterday and got to the email at the end, um, well, whatever. But I promise you, uh, nothing, nothing that you contribute to the program is going toward uh, fabulous feather boas or marabou mules or anything like that. No, in point of fact, the reality is uh, if we, the fundraising goal is 1100 bucks, and we desperately need to raise, well, um, at least 300 of it. Um, or and, and this isn't one of those Errol, Oral Roberts moments. Or there won't be a program tomorrow because there will be no Internet tomorrow. Because it's a struggle. Day after day, program after program, year after year, every day is a struggle, and sometimes we get to those pinches where we absolutely have to um, pay a bill that, and you know, money comes in, the money goes out, whatever. Uh, but this is one of those days. Uh, all told, I was I was adding it up to my horror, and. Um, all told, for the month of December, the outstanding—you know—the outstanding bills are. Let's see. Huh, huh. That's yeah. And, hmm. and it's something like two thousand dollars of outstanding bills, and that's without buying gasoline or groceries. Uh, that's just trying to stay alive. It's pretty. Pretty horrifying from day to day, but we're going to have, while we've still got the ability to have, one whale of a uh, thorn in the side Thursday here. By the way, if you do pop by the chat room, you will be greeted by er the early arriving crew. That would be Anatole and Irish Dave and Skeet Giedler and Squeaky. Um, yeah, no Bose Wave radio ads. Sorry, Anatole. Capably moderating, well, longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator, Sparky, who, although he is a third stage guild navigator, has elected not to fold space and become man cave. Um, hmm. Let's see, a couple of things before we get into the, into the, the, the real bed of thorns. Uh, after 
after I uh, uh, read the email at the end of the program last night, I got uh, I got I got some responses. Uh, Tamara and I went back and forth about it uh, on a social media platform. Um, I don't know what's going on. Darlene says I keep losing you for sec uh, a few set for several seconds at a time. Is that on my end or are you sneezing? <laughs> no, there, we have we we have not had the first obligatory mic muting for Robin to sneeze through. Uh, as yet, I'm not seeing any uh, uh, blipping or burping notices coming from Brother Deacon Asa, so I don't know. Um, Ralphs, Ralphs says uh, she's offering a $30 challenge in honor of something that we will be talking about here in very short order. Uh and Steve, in New York, you're not far behind me. Trust me. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, and, well, thank you, Randy Radar. Yes, it's Thursday. Yes, it is Thursday. I didn't call it Wednesday or Friday or Monday. No, it's Thursday. My one day of... See, this is, this is why Sparky is, in fact, a third-stage guild navigator, and I'm not. He can fold space anytime he wants to. I tried to fold space on Tuesday and just completely wrecked the joint. So that. But, uh, no, I wanted to start with uh, uh, something that, like I said, Tamara and I talked about the uh, emails. Uh, not talked about the but talked about the email, singular, um, and had a nice exchange. Thank you for that, Tamara. I kind of needed it. And uh, just as the program, uh, no sooner had I no sooner had I uh, unhotted the mic than I got a note from Matt in San Francisco. Oh, Richard, if you don't like uh, the pause, don't like hydration, and don't appreciate Robin being authentic and viewing the world through her lived experience. Well, Richard, you're aptly named. And um, so I went on social media, and here, here, let's just get it out of the way. I hope it's not bothering you, Richard. Yeah, that's the sound of the $10 stainless steel bougie bottle. Where's the ice? Actually, I know where the ice is. There's not going to be. Oh, and there's the noise of putting the cap back on, Richard. Uh, there's no ice noise because, oh, little Junie is growing really fast. And she's becoming very active. And she has had a busy, busy day of rolling all over her crib. And I think she, and, and she is finally, mercifully, I won't be yelling even though I'm at the far end of the mansion. She's mercifully asleep. And we're all tiptoeing around the house so that hopefully she will stay that way. So there's no ice in my annoying steel bottle. You know, which I use to try to cut down on the number of, you know, plastic bottles in the Pacific Ocean. Trying to remain uh, as committed to principles of environmental justice as I've always been. Shh, damn it, I've already been too loud. If I wake up Junie 
there, the, the, Ging Ging and Mommy are going to come back here and beat my skinny ass. But uh, I wrote to Matt and thanked him for his kind words. And Matt then wrote the following. It's been quite a day. Last night, my husband wasn't feeling well. We sat in bed and watched the season finale of Lotus. After that, he took a COVID test and was positive. At this point, I immediately thought to myself, Self, that wasn't the brightest move. Perhaps we should have done the COVID test before sitting in bed about a foot apart, breathing each other's air for an hour and 30 minutes. Especially after a shingles vaccine. Well, he's sick. And for some strange reason, I don't have it. We're both boosted. All the current legal numbers, times for COVID. And hell, I figure at this point, if they change the needle, I should get a shot. You're not wrong, Matt. So Wednesday, we're now in separate rooms and masked. And the in-laws are at his sister's. And I still have not had a positive test. I did have an eye-opening experience of going from our usual pharmacy in a nicer side of town with 10 dispensers working at all times. The lines move quickly, only to get the, to the counter to an apology, and we can't fill that here. You have to go across town to the other pharmacy, you know, the poor side of town. I said, that's fine. Things happen. How long are they open? Three more hours. Oh, perfect. I'll just head over. Well, the poorer side of town with an entire hospital attached, one would think the pharmacy was bigger and more efficient. I mean, they see more people. Well, no, actually it's smaller, less staff. The only thing I was correct about was they were servicing more people. Not so much more white people, more people of various shades of the rainbow of humans. So maybe it's confirmation bias on my part, but I thought, what? Since these folks are black, brown, or Asian, they get half the level of advice and staff on the other side of town where it's just a medical building and not even connected to a hospital. They have twice as many stations, twice as many staff. The lines move twice as fast. I'm sure it's not that on the other side of town there are more white folks. Finally, get to the dispenser person. Uh, Uh, calls out the name, picking up for yourself or someone else. I'm sure the Casper white bald guy with hazel eyes in front of her made her calculate. Doesn't look like a Jimenez to me. My husband, I'm picking up for my husband, has medication in her hand. The doctor would like to go over the medication. Good Lord, Matt, this is the this is the Looney Tunes cartoon episode where uh, the where Bugs is standing behind the little old lady who's got a huge... Who's like, and I would like to de deposit a thousand dollars in pennies. One, two, three. Um, the doctor would like to go over the medication. Matt says, it's the dreaded speech. I can read. I won't kill him, I promise. Another 20-minute wait just for her to tell me she called my husband on the phone and explained it all to him. My management brain thought, as soon as she reached my husband and began explaining the script, couldn't someone else have handed me the meds and saved me 20 minutes in the waiting room? I was masked and so far tested negative, but we all know that can change in a heartbeat. 
So then I trekked to the big grocery store that has various add-on sections since the Walgreens I stopped at had basically only nice fixtures in the coffin cold aisle with empty shelves needing to be filled. But the grocery, at the grocery store, I scored Theraflu, bought four types, came home with prescriptions and the over-the-counter meds for his COVID. So that, I love this conclusion, Matt. I love this so much. This is perfect. So that, my friends, is what marriage equality looks like. No drag shows today. No stopping kids from swimming. Just trying to navigate our for-profit medical system in order to get the stuff my sick husband needs. I know it's not as sexy as the Republicans want everyone to believe. Sometimes gay marriage is remaining calm and not asking to talk to the pharmacist about the weight. And just be patient. Stand with your brothers and sisters while, while we all get through this magical life together. Uh, if you want X-rated pics. I have some x-rays of my left knee where we've confirmed moderate arthritis and I am officially deteriorating slowly, but deteriorating just the same. Oh my heavenly days, Matt. If I had more to give, I would give more than the cowbell. What a story. And how many, how how many different points did Matt touch in the course of the simple act of a finding out? Oh my God, hubby's got COVID. To going to the pharmacy, to going to the grocery store, to mercifully making it back home. Thank you for that, Matt. That's that is that is a story for the ages here in the Horn Family Community Congregation. And that conclusion, so that's what marriage equality looks like. Just as mundane and boring and not, the, the, the story's not boring, but as mundane and ordinary as any other marriage on any given day on any in any given place in the greatest in the greatest country in the history of the world on earth now today forever in the universe under God thank you thank you thank you Matt oh and and, and pretty please to your beloved husband Please wish him all the, uh, give him all the get well soon wishes that the Horn Family Community Congregation can manifest. Um, he is very much in our hearts and on our minds. Uh, message for Matt from Stephen, New York. Yep, more of that radical homosexual agenda. <laughs> to deposit a thousand dollars in pennies one two mm-hmm um. uh, thanks uh, thanks Steve for your thoughts there um, 
Yeah, I have thought about it, and that's that's why I just did it. The, 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 the Dennis, thank you. Um, what's that, Scott in San Diego? Making noises and rolling all over the floor. Sounds like me doing physical therapy. Today was day three. They add a new torture uh, rehabilitation task at each new session. They say I'm doing fine, but I feel like a state highway construction superintendent. Walkering into the cabinet, walkering to the cabinet, grabbing a cone, hurling my ponderous bulk over to the table. Ponderous, man. Ponderous. Hurling my ponderous bulk over to the table, putting it down, then going back for another cone. Five in all. Tomorrow, we'll retrieve Sundays. Well, I hope so. Retrieving. And from the wedding singer. It's a cone. It's a cone. Yeah. Uh, in addition to... Uh, in, in addition to Ralph's $30 challenge, I can tell you now, it's in honor of, it's in, <laughs> it's in mockery of Nitwit Nero's Trump $99 trading cards. Uh, so there's a $30 challenge, and an anonymous friend has said, uh, uh, two for one $150 challenge for a total of 450 is on the table. So we could knock down... Uh, we could knock down the fundraising goal by, mm, let's see, yeah. by half, if that gets met. $150 yields a total of 450 30 yields a total of 60 So thank you for that. And I will mention it periodically, but as we learned last night, there are people for whom I cannot mention fundraising enough. And there are people for whom mentioning it at all yields derision and hatefulness. And dead naming. Yay, dead naming. <sighs> and so, yes, uh, Stephen New York pointed out, raising money, you can always sell cards with drawings of you in a, in a Wonder Woman outfit. You, you delightful man. For even thinking for a moment. <laughs> no, no, I'm not there yet. Um, but that having been said, um, Kim in New York said a little bit ago, oh my God, I can't wait, for, I can't wait for the, for the Thursday show to start. I can't wait to hear Robin and her take on Nitwit Nero's major announcement. And I got to confess, I've kind of been chomping at the bit all day long because yesterday over on his failing, flagging, pathetic um, social media platform that resembles more than anything else a, a wagon with a busted wheel uh, Nitwit Nero Posted a picture of himself as some sort of superhero wearing an American flag inside a wrestling ring. You know, he may, for all I know, he may conceptualize this stuff all by himself. But somebody has to execute it. Major announcement. 
My official Donald Trump digital trading card collection is here. These limited edition cards feature amazing art. Capital, all caps, art, in case we would. No, nah, it's, it's not cheap compute. It's not compute, cheap computer generated crap. It's art of my life and career. You know, I don't. Maybe they've got a card of him slapping Don Jr. around in his dorm room uh, when he was wearing his Mets baseball or Yankees baseball cap or something. Great moments in my life. Uh, maybe there's another one uh, that features the potato salad incident when uh, he and his brothers and sister were children. course i don't know if i would sign on uh, for 99 bucks per card to uh no really 99 bucks uh, you know for a card of him on january 6 2021 flinging a, a, a steak that had been reduced to carbon ash covered in ketchup at the walls of the dining area of the white house Art of my life and career. Collect all of your favorite Trump digital trading cards. Jesus, they're not even printing them. They're digital. Oh, God, they can be hacked. Very much like a baseball card, but hopefully much more exciting. Go to website and get your cards now. Only $99 each would make a great Christmas gift. How? Are you going to give them like a cheap-ass tablet to display it on? Or maybe one of those digital photo frame display hickey-do-thingy whatevers? Don't wait. They will be gone, I believe. Believe me. Very quickly. (sighs) See, and that's the thing. I started with our little fundraising crisis. And thank you to Charlene and Rogues Island for getting us started. Charlene just met Ralph's challenge and got started on the um, the two-for-one challenge. So there's now $140 to go on that. Thank you so much, Charlene. Thank you. But I saw all of that horse shit. It was a major announcement. You know, if you're a guy who's already announced for president, maybe when you say, I've got a major announcement, it would be a good idea if it was a major announcement. But it's the Christmas season, and so this operates on a level with the old man's major award that shows up around the Christmas season in the Toy Story. Ah, it's a major award. Look, must be coming from Italy. It's got some Italian on the box. Fragile. Wow. And, of course, that's how the world eventually learned about the... (sighs) leg lamp. The leg with the fishnet stocking. And a fringy lampshade around it that just made the old man so happy. This is this is the equivalent of the, it's a major announcement. It's a major award. Oh, he, 
So I got to thinking, God, if only, <laughs> if only this program had a little more reach, and if only I had a, well, the talent for it, maybe, maybe Tara Devlin and I need to team up on this one. Think about it. One of the reasons that we know what we know about... um, Did I say Toy Story? I meant Christmas Story. I get get ahead of myself. A Christmas Story. Thank you, Scott. Scott's over there hauling orange cones, but he can still still serve as the the, uh, correction department. I, I guess I did say Toy Story. Now everybody listening to the podcast is going to have to wait like a minute and a half, two minutes, three, until they find out that, yes, Scott did correct me. Flavio, you're not wrong. The Trump digital collector cards, I can see Emery and Marveline ordering these and checking the mail every day for it. Sucker born every minute. Yeah, they don't even have to waste postage on it. Emery and Marveline don't even have a computer. And they're going to be running to the mailbox. Emery, did we get our Trump digital trading card? We sent the $99. But what I was going to say is, if you think about it, mm, well, and this pause is not for dramatic effect. This is me searching for words. I guess I have to announce that every time I do that now. It's going to make the show much more complex. But if you know your ancient history, you know that one of the reasons we know about a group of famous ancients is because they were written about. I'm trying to remember who wrote Parallel Lives. I think Plutarch went on to kind of bogart the idea, but there was a, in, 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 in the ancient world, and for, for instance, um, Gaius Julius Caesar was compared alongside Alexander the Great. But the book I'm thinking about in particular is The Twelve Caesars by Suetonius. Um, the author, uh, Graves, I think was his name, of uh, I, Claudius, which when you look at the print on the title page, looks like I, Clavdiv, because... Have you ever tried to chisel a curve with a hammer and chisel? No, so your U's turn into V's. I clav div. Sort of like working with a turkey quill pen and trying to write S, S, and it winds up looking like F, F, incongruous. Perfood of happiness. But Lord God, if we could, if we could do it, we could probably end the Horns fundraising woes forever, because we could do. Yes, thank you, Ron and Raleigh. A Christmas story. Um. By the way, Ron tells us, the home used as Ralphie's childhood home. Is for sale. I don't know if the lamp comes with it. If the lamp is not in the Smithsonian Museum of 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 
modern history or the American Smithsonian Museum, American whatever. Uh, there's no justice. Of course, it may have just it, they may have just expe- expected the film to flop and and they just cleared out the. Pro- I need to ask our buddy who is an an actual properties master who's worked on some pretty significant films. Uh, our buddy Dan Fisher. What do they do with the props when the movie is over? Um, but anyway, my my. Uh, my idea, you know, for years now, Lord God, what, seven, maybe eight? Oh, here's that sneeze we were waiting for. Turns out there it was, it was a twofer. Um, but since like 2015. We've been coming up with different Caesars for Donald J. Trump, the Mar-a-Lago Mussolini. And we could have hilarious, and and, you know, we could put it on t-shirts. And they would be entirely of our creation because, well, I came up with the ideas and maybe Tara could execute it. I don't know. Just name, just name checking Tara there. But just using your own imagination. Imagine what I forgot that Randy Radar says the lamp got broken in the story. Remember, I had completely forgotten. I think I was so focused on the. But you're right. I think you're right. But imagine an, an entire collector's series of digital trading cards that could also be printed on T-shirts or coasters or can koozies or just about you know, mouse pads. Um, just think about what the, the, the image of Nitwit Nero would look like. You know, with that 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 sort of squirrely, crazy um, Bugs Bunny on acid, insane face for Nitwit Nero. Think about Julius Geezer standing there with a bunch of senators around him, and a, 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 a look that what 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 as you know, he's porcupined with daggers. <laughs> or tangerine Tiberius with that lovely tangerine color we so love this time of year. And uh, pondering uh, in his throne room on Capri. Of course, Nitwit Nero would also have to be—he'd he'd also have to have that squirrely look on his face, and you know, maybe be playing a jaw harp. Clementine Caligula with a little pair of booties on, 
also again orange. Yeah, if we could do that, we'd we could go viral. The program could blow through the roof, and 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 we'd be fully funded maybe forevermore. Wouldn't that be fun? But but honestly. And, and this is not necessarily a rhetorical question. Who's going to buy this? I mean, early on after the announcement, um, Oh, uh, uh, John Kiriakou tweeted and referred to him as a pathetic grifter. And he's not wrong. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Plutarch. Plutarch was responsible for lives of the noble Greeks and Romans, also known as parallel lives, or Plutarch's lives. Thank you, Flavio. Um, yeah, it's, one of them is Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, Demosthenes and Cicero. But it relied, Plutarch relied on a on on previous source material. But anyway. We could come up with a name, a, 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 you know, a funny name for Suetonius, and uh, use all of those Caesars. Wouldn't it be fun? I mean, it, it, it reminds me of a time when uh, Bart Cop was selling T-shirts. Wherever you are, Bart Cop, you are remembered. Your memory is in eternity. Um. Bartkop was selling T-shirts that just showed George George W. Bush with his best monkey face. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> All he needed was a visor and a pencil. Hi, Scott. Move that cone, would you? Get that cone out of here. Um. But it, 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 boss man Wayne wore it in D.C. to a wonderful little little bar off of Thomas Circle called. Um, stands. Best chicken wings I've ever eaten anywhere in my life. And everybody in the bar immediately congregated around Wayne. Where'd you get that T-shirt? I want that T-shirt. I must have that T-shirt. I think I think Boss Man Wayne probably sold 100 T-shirts for Bart Cop that day. And I don't think Bart ever knew. And he would get stopped on the streets of D.C. And this is during the reign of error. Man, i got to have that T-shirt. Tell me where. And he would, BartCop.com. And then he'd pull, pull out the T-shirt and show him the BartCop.com and the little hammer. Wouldn't it be beautiful? To have, I mean, wouldn't you, I mean, come on, you'd like, okay. Pandemic notwithstanding. Wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you love to be walking around, say, I don't know, Times Square in New York, 
or Hell's Kitchen or the Bowery or uh, Lower East Side wearing your knitwit. Because, you know, if we could plant a couple of people wearing those T-shirts in Manhattan, they'd sell out the next day. Nitwit Nero in his disheveled toga with a couple of sleazy, okay, take away the sleazy, bro. A couple of disheveled sex workers on either arm and bearing the legend, you know, with, with the Romanesque print, Marcus Horalius. They could probably bear a faint but entirely coincidental resemblance to a couple of women that he spent time with. And then some famous Hollywood celebrity would show up on Jimmy Kimmel or, or Stephen Colbert wearing their shirt, and the rest would be history. <laughs> okay, that's good too, Matt. Matt says, I would pay for an image of the Donald with that horn hat the QAnon shaman wore shirtless with his belly hanging out, flinging poo onto the walls of the Capitol. Captioned, WWG1WGA, where we go one, we go all. God, that would be, yeah. Um, okay, there's an answer come, uh, talking about what becomes of, uh, of uh, movie props. Popular movies, TV series hold properties auctions and sales, Theo says. It's how my darling Leah Hart and I acquired goodies from the series Grimm when it wrapped production in Portland. We own almost the only herb jars which starred David um, Guantoli, didn't smithereen in Rosalie's herb shop in the final episode, as well as a spiffy walking stick, which I used to need a lot more. Cheers. Um, T-shirts, Stephen New York says, uh, those T-shirts would sell like crazy in the West Village in Chelsea. Maybe I need to have a little chat. Um, maybe I need to have a little chat with uh, Tara. That would be lovely. But it's all, all in the way of just making sport of a man who makes P.T. Barnum look like an ethicist. He makes P.T. Barnum look like freaking Job without the uh, without the, 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 the plagues and disasters. Uh, and don't forget his don't forget the headgear, Scott in San Diego says, poison oak wreath, that's gonna itch something fierce. Yeah, that would be the Corona Ichica. And, uh, man, we got a lot of cops in the chat room tonight. Steve, Steve from Georgistan has uh, joined and has Sparky was already there. And Horn Chief Agronomist and Mathematician Roger and Oregon's in there. Uh, Y'all are being watched. <laughs> They're eagerly, eagerly, eagerly sitting around with their brain bashers. Yeah. Um, by the way, Steve from Georgistan, subject line, time to mask up again. 
And Paul from Parts Unknown mentioned this a couple of nights ago. This explains why a lot of our fully vaxxed friends are getting sick. And it's an article from CNBC. Omicron BQ XBB subvariants are a serious threat to boosters and knockout antibody treatment study finds. Well, look at that. Evolution. Hard at work. Scientists in a study published online in the journal Cell found that the BQ and XBB subvariants are barely susceptible to neutralization by the vaccines, including the new Omicron boosters. This could result in a surge of breakthrough infections and reinfections, though the vaccines have been shown to hold up, shown to, did I just say showed? Have been shown to hold up against severe disease, they wrote. Key antibody drugs, Evashield and Bebtelovimab, were completely inactive against the new variants, according to the study. I saw another article earlier today saying, we're not saying it out loud yet, but we're probably going to have a, another Christmas surge. We won't really talk that much about it, though, until, well, you know, um, the free market has gotten its share of Christmas spending. Uh, um, the scientists, uh, again, in the journal Cell, wrote, Together, our findings indicate that BQ and XBB subvariants present serious threats to current COVID-19 vaccines, render inactive all authorized antibodies, and may have gained dominance in the population because of their advantage in, ev in evading antibodies. And, of course, epidemiologists and people who study stuff on a cellular level, microbiologists perhaps, virologists, are probably not at all surprised by this. I'm not. Because life, even on a viral level, which isn't really something we understand completely as life, we'll find a way. The entirety of evolution, which the primary engine of which is mutation, is nothing but a huge cat and mouse game of better mouse, better mouse trap, better mouse, better mouse trap, burglar, better lock, better burglar, better lock. So, you know, take the information and probably, and, and, and if you possibly can, uh, do your dead level best with it to protect yourself. This is not a way of saying don't get the latest booster. Like Matt said earlier, if they announce they've changed the needle, get another shot. And leave it to the great maggot unvaxxed and unwashed to bark and grunt their way to an early grave. And so, in fact, the article at CNBC says, the subvariants have evolved away. There's the magic word. Golly, Moses, all those years of all those right-wing POSs with their signs and their bullhorns picketing at school board meetings and meetings of, of, of 
um, legislative committees and evolution is a lie. There ain't no evolution. I ain't related to no monkey. Well, it turns out they may have been more related than they thought they were. And they're out there in space. Working math problems. The biggest challenge is said to be XB dot, XBB.1. It's about 49 times more resistant to antibody neutralization than BA.5. And it's currently, and this is the good, this is the good news, but as Paul from Parts Unknown would probably tell us right away, it ain't that good. XBB.1 is currently causing no more than 1% of infections in the U.S., but it's not going to stay that way because people are still playing the lottery. And therefore the virus is still playing the lottery. The whole reason we have these subvariants is because people have allowed the virus to play the lottery. So again, take your precautions as you may. Do the best to take care of yourself. And uh, Steve in New York reminds us, uh, in case people didn't hear, the Biden administration started sending out free tests for people who want them again. So that might explain uh, the, the, uh, uh, the production process that Paul from Parts Unknown referenced a couple of nights ago. Get them while you can. They may come in handy. You might wind up sitting for 90 minutes with your beloved watching some, doing some Netflix in bed and then suddenly decide, ah, you know, maybe I ought to test. Or take Matt's advice and test before you do that. Get them. Get them while you can. So we get a we get a, we get an idea of just exactly how thorny this thorn in the side Thursday uh, was always going to be. And from the gosh, I would like it if the government did not just shut down during the Christmas season department. Oh look, nine House Republicans managed to break away and help vote for a stopgap spending measure because this our country is so dysfunctional that we can't actually fund the government for more than a week. But here we are. And so the, uh, the House passed, the Senate will take it up and probably pass it, and then it'll go to President Biden's desk tomorrow. A stopgap spending measure that keeps the government funded at current levels until December 23rd. It's where we are, y'all. We are such a hot mess in this country that that's the best we can do. And, of course, over there on the Republican side of the House, man of silly putty, Kevin Kevers McCarthy whose testicles have already been placed in freeze-dried storage in the in the 
Marginal Trailer Queen's freezer. He urged a no vote on the measure today. But nine, and, and again, it's another one of those cases, not trying to be shitty here, but we have to, yes, oh yes, thank you so much. We do appreciate, oh God, you're so good. We have to thank, and, and, and my thanks are sincere. I just wish the bar wasn't so damned low for Republicans to actually honor their oath to the Constitution. The bill passed 224 to 201. Nine Republicans broke ranks. Seven of those nine Republicans breaking ranks are Republicans who will not be in that room on January the 3rd, 2023. Because the Republicans who broke ranks are Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Liz Cheney of Wyoming, Chris Jacobs of New York, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, John Katko of New York, Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington, Fred Upton of Michigan, Steve Womack of Arkansas, and Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. Seven of those nine will not be back. Those seven are Kinzinger, Cheney, Jacobs, Gonzalez, Katko, Herrera Butler, and Upton. They're all out of there. Because while each and every one of them in their time have been freakishly weird Republicans, they weren't weird enough. Harkens back to the words of the late great Dr. Hunter S. Thompson, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. And they weren't weird enough to turn pro. They actually honored their oath. Uh, The House Minority Whip Office namely Steve Scalise, the man who was shot to pieces and still didn't have enough sense to realize that maybe people ought not to have uh, you know, weapons of war in their immediate reach. Uh, last uh, Tuesday, or rather Tuesday night, uh, Scalise's office sent a notice around to Republicans telling them to vote no on the measure. Scalise claiming, falsely, it's an attempt to buy additional time for a massive lame duck spending bill in which House Republicans have had no seat at the negotiating table. Well, if they've had no seat at the negotiating table, it's because they've chosen not to take a seat. It's kind of like when they complain about the fact that there was nobody there to defend Nitwit Nero on the J6 committee. It's one of those Jesus moments, you know. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let anyone who hear me open the door and I will come in. So now, negotiators have another week to reach something resembling a consensus on a spending measure for the full year. And they've announced a a, a framework for an omnibus bill, but we don't yet have those details. But here we are. And because he's a math whiz, 
Steve in New York says 224 to 201. Nine Republicans voted yes. That means only 215 voted yes. What the hell's going on there? I'm guessing, maybe, well, uh, we're down one, remember? The uh, one representative who passed away. I think that's in that number, and I don't know, maybe somebody was sick. But I don't think it was a protest vote. There's nothing, I haven't seen anything about there being a protest vote. (sighs) It had to happen. Did you, Ron and Raleigh, did you say seven of nine? First tertiary adjunct of the Unimatrix one? The one and only. Yes. Obligatory Star Trek reference for the evening? Yes. Yeah, right. Um, so, we get another week of funded government. Because, uh, well, don't spend it all in one place, kid. But I can't help but, th- as, as, as your average thorn in the side Thursday goes, I don't think we're going to get past the major announcement. Would make a great Christmas gift. My favorite is the don't wait, they'll be gone, but I believe very quickly. Honey, has nobody ever explained to you what digital means? But here's the best part. This is the part that made me cackle like I was about to lay an egg. When he announced the major announcement, cue ball world went wild because cue ball world is now just this self-sustain they, they don't need anybody else they they're self-sustaining they're they are they are self-insaning Ooh, i rhymed and so they they they, they cue ball world immediately knew what he really meant which means, of course, somewhere, somebody, uh, maybe Lauren Bobblehead Boobert or Marginal Trailer Queen, <laughs> quick to the Q phone. Good Lord. This is, this is beautiful. No, the, the cucumbers, the cue balls said, uh, Did you see that? He's going to have a major announcement. You know what he's going to do? He's going to announce that he's a candidate for Speaker of the House. Ah, no, that didn't happen. No, see, that's how it would work. He'd, He'd become Speaker of the House, the House would elect him Speaker, and then they would impeach... They would impeach Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, and and the Senate would convict with with 67 votes, and then they're both removed from office. And he's back! (laughs) 
Over at Human Events Magazine, the editor-at-large, Ben Q, said, So, Trump's major announcement was actually just a grift to promote a bunch of worthless trading cards. Even my grandmother knows NFTs are a scam. And one another person, uh, McKay Coppins over at, at the Atlantic, said, "You know, I think we might be underrating the odds that the 2024 Trump campaign may, will be what everyone initially assumed the 2016 Trump campaign would be." And then this was the this this was the, the, the I mean, this is a little shocking. This is kind of a glimpse of the future. Over at Fox News TV, Radio Rwanda, their breaking news editor, Chris Pandolfo, said, Yeah, sure, inflation's wrecking the economy. Russia and China are on the move. The culture war wages at home. But at least presidential candidate Donald Trump is offering voters Trump digital trading cards they can buy for $99 each. Get your NFT today. Well... At least we're getting a giggle out of it. Um, the major announcement, Steve says, Steve in New York, honestly, I was anticipating him name naming Marginal Trailer Queen his running mate. That's where my mind went. I've already chosen a, we- a, a wedding, I mean, running mate. It was going to be her or... No, it was going to be her. But then again, she's probably going to be busy because I'd guess uh, Kever's man of silly putty McCarthy is going to make her like... Well, his, his, his number two, and really he is a number two, his number two is Steve Scalise. So maybe making... Marginal Trailer Queen, his number three. My buddy John in in central Pennsylvania says, Thank God Trump will never be POTUS again. I know, I know, never say never because anything is possible in this stupid country. No, not going to happen. In the best of, listen, in the best of all possible worlds, understanding the polling data as it currently exists, A three-way steel cage death match that goes all the way to the end of the Republican presidential primary between Nitwit Nero, Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, and, drumroll please, wait for it, Liz Cheney would be for the ages. Now, Liz can't stay in it because she could split the ticket in such a way that Biden would lose a re-election bid. But if she stayed in it, and even though she didn't win a single state, just beat the piss out of Donald Trump day in and day out and pitted the maggots against the monkey-ups, and I think that may be the first time we've referred it to uh, to uh, uh, DeClantis supporters as the monkey-ups, so that may stick. And just beats the hell, and and they beat the hell out of each other until they come out 
positively bloodied. And when Nitwit Nero loses to Monkey Up, the maggots go home and, and, and have a sad and sit on and, and watch the heavens as uh, whoever the co-con- co-consul to uh, uh, Julius Caesar did while pouting. That could create a pretty wide-open path to re-election for President Biden. I could be entirely wrong, but it seems like that's that's a that's a possibility that's all upside. Especially if he's running, say, while being under indictment. with a trial date somewhere in 2023 or 24. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Well, here at the top of the hour, thank you very kindly to our dear friend, Kevin in Colorado Springs. Thank you, Kevin. We are now a hundred dollars away from the, uh, from the two for one, $450 matching challenge. Charlene knocked out Ralph's challenge, the uh, the, the uh, drumpf-mocking challenge for the NFT trading cards. Non-fungible. Who came up with that? But we are. We're $100 away now, so yeah, that, would, that would cut our fundraising goal in half, and it would guarantee the fact that we have a program tomorrow. And then we can start working on the rest of the horrifying. You know, the electric, the, good God, the electric bill here is insane. And it's not because we're running a lot of electric items. It's because coal-fried electricity just keeps getting more and more expensive here. You forgot. Uh, oh, dear. I did. Ron and Raleigh says, you forgot. What, what about the man that finished first in his class? Oh, well, yeah, Mike Mike Pompeo is out there. Sure, come on in. Every, everybody, 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 take a swing at Donald. Yeah, Mike Pompeo graduated first in his class at West Point. <laughs> oh God, that's always a always a knee slamper. Uh, Scott, uh, maybe a generation or so behind the times, but that's okay. So am I, Scott. Uh, taking a break from moving orange cones from one place to another. And now you got me wondering, Scott, you know, are the cones are they the, 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 the like the big traffic ones or are they like, you know, the little ones that you use on um, say basketball courts, you know, where you're doing your dribbling exercises and cuz those big ones are kind of heavy and I think that's a lot of, a lot to ask of a guy with a uh, with a with a stress and strain at L3 and L4. Well, Scott says, uh, Trump digital trading cards. Are these things like SNH green stamps? Sadly, no. And there's definitely not a fun store to go, go to where you can look at all the cool shit. Are these things like SNH green stamps? Lick them for all you're worth, and when you've filled enough books, and it takes a lot of books for an enough. You can browse the colorful catalog for exciting merchandise. 
Of course, if Trump had such a catalog in the toy pages, you'd find uh, <laughs> Trump's big bag of ground glass. <laughs> You're not wrong, Scott. Um. Oh, <laughs> says Flavio, you forgot. John Bolton, he's in it too. <sighs> I suppose so. Lord. So we are into the second hour of the program, and it is Thursday, and we've got at least one more Green News report after this, but I like to make sure that when we get them, we run them. So let's see what... Uh, See what Brad and Desi are up to, and maybe we can, maybe we can knock down the uh, hundred dollars that guarantees a program tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. I wish it didn't have to be this way, but it's just another day. The UPS guy or the FedEx guy didn't bring the big box of money. Sorry, Brad, Desi. It's Thursday, December 15, 2022. I cannot overstate this, but rapid warming in the Arctic is profoundly affecting the more than 400,000 indigenous people who live there, and in many instances is upending their entire way of life. Climate change is deeply disrupting the Arctic. New report from NOAA finds... Rapid oil and gas expansion poses an existential threat to the world's forests. Plus, the world is gradually shifting towards a greener future in a bid to safeguard our planet from the ongoing climate crisis. European Union agrees to enact world's first carbon import tariff. All of those agreements and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The evidence is clear. Human-caused climate change is transforming the snowy and icy Arctic into a warmer, wetter environment. You mean a delightful golf lover's paradise? Plus oil drilling. This is your... Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, golf lovers paradise and oil drilling aside, (laughs) this new report from NOAA on the Arctic is really, really disturbing. Yes, it is. Human-caused climate change is destabilizing the fragile Arctic with consequences for indigenous peoples, wildlife, and extreme weather around the planet. The new Arctic report card released this week by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration finds that the past seven years in the Arctic have been the hottest seven years since at least 1900. That is fueling warmer, wetter, and stormier conditions and accelerating the loss of sea ice, impacting wildlife and the people that depend on it. Does that mean it was this warm back in the 1900s? No, that means that that's as far back as records go. Got it. The Arctic is warming at a faster rate than the rest of the world, and scientists say that, in turn, is weakening the jet stream, causing extreme weather systems in the northern hemisphere to stall, intensifying their effects, like Hurricane Harvey and the deadly record-breaking heat waves in China and the Pacific Northwest. So what happens in the Arctic 
doesn't stay in the Arctic. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, more than 140 people have died in catastrophic flooding after rains flooded the capital, Kinshasa. The country's president in Washington on Tuesday for the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit said the torrential rains are a consequence of wealthy nations' climate pollution and their failure to act to cut their emissions. Sounds about right. He called on rich nations to fulfill their pledges to assist developing nations with funding to adapt to climate impacts so that those developing nations don't have to turn to oil and gas exploration to raise revenue. Which is, in theory, what they agreed to at the recent U.N. climate conference, but they got to work out the details. It may take a while. Oh, yes. And that was the topic of a new report released this week at the U.N. Biodiversity Conference in Montreal. The new analysis from nonprofit Earth Insight warns that the world's two largest rainforests in the Amazon and the Congo basins are under accelerating threat of rapid oil and gas expansion. The report finds fossil fuel development poses an existential threat to the world's forests, biodiversity, and millions of indigenous people living in areas slated for new oil and gas development. And it matters because rainforests serve a crucial planetary function by absorbing a significant chunk of humanity's carbon emissions. At the conference, Elizabeth Wathuti of Kenya's Green Generation Initiative called for protecting nature and its ecosystem services that are critical to preserving climate stability. We need nature to be at the front and center. When we destroy nature, it means that we are destroying our own life support system in the process we are destroying ourselves as humanity. But some good news. The European Union Parliament struck a deal this week to establish the world's first carbon import tariff called a carbon border adjustment tax. The EU's proposal would slap a tariff on imports of carbon-intensive products like steel and cement to prevent European industries from being undercut by cheaper goods made in countries with weaker environmental rules. Good, like us, for example. Exactly. Effectively fighting climate change through global trade, which would also pressure Europe's trading partners to decarbonize their own industries. Good. Competition. Free market. I like it. E&E News reports that congressional Republicans are interested in Europe's carbon border adjustment mechanism in the U.S., but as a way to counter China, not because they suddenly support climate action. Correct, because they're isolationists. And finally, good news. The City Council of Los Angeles has voted to ban the sale and distribution of styrofoam products, which are not biodegradable and not recyclable. The council also expanded the city's ban on single-use plastic bags to combat the costly scourge of plastic pollution. Well, it'll be an apocalypse here in L.A. before long. At least that's what they'll tell us on Fox News. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. If I wasn't in a good mood already, I am now. There's nothing like a little, yeah. Mm. Pop, yeah. Mama got a grand new, brand, never mind, just never mind. Uh, so thank you, Todd. Our buddy Todd is out there th- listening. Hey, Todd, hope things are going well. Uh, Todd just got us down into the three-digit mark for tonight's uh, um, sort of 
desperation level goal. Um, Todd just got us down to 88 bucks to go to m match the uh, two-for-one challenge that's on the table. Thank you, Todd, and thank you to our anonymous friend for making that challenge. This is venal and absolutely meaningless, but by the same token, it kind of says a ton. The story comes out of the Arizona Mirror by a guy named Jim Small. And, yeah, you could kind of get sort of prayer meeting Wednesday-ish about this, but I'm going to try to avoid that. So Slate published a story today that Kirsten Cinema is I mean we we've all seen her fashion choices, right? And this is I'm not I don't have a harsh word to say about I mean you you do you boo. But we've seen her outlandish mode of dress and it's the kind of outlandish dress that you usually see on people who have more dollars than cents which one would guess she does but the baseline story is that Kirsten Cinema is out there selling her clothes and exercise equipment on Facebook Marketplace it started with Christina Cotarucci at Slate noting that she was trying to buy some stuff on Facebook Marketplace from someone whose, whose page said Kirsten Cinema, but she couldn't get the senator's office to confirm that it was really the Kirsten Cinema. Cotarucci wrote, uh, it's 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, and I'm exchanging Facebook messages with Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema about a lightly used pair of Badgley Mishka heels. At least I think it's Kirsten Cinema, and noted that the Facebook profile had her picture, said she lived in Phoenix, and their only mutual friend is a former Democratic National Committee staffer. She did note that one of her spokespeople. Cinema spokespeople was perplexed by why someone be, would be interested in Facebook marketplace sales. Kirsten's athletic hobbies, the fact that many Ironman triathlete competitors resale gear? Well, then enter, so it, it had to be sort of couched in uncertain terms. Enter Jim Small from the Arizona Mirror, who said, I can confirm what Cotarucci was able to do. All the items she featured in her Slate story were sold by Arizona's newly independent senator. I covered cinema day in and day out in the House of Representatives for six years when I was a reporter for the Arizona Capital Times. And then oversaw coverage of her as an editor after she moved the state to the, the state Senate and then to Congress. Um, and Small goes on to say that uh, he would monitor Facebook for potential stories. And so he's been friends with Cinema since that time on Facebook. He said, as a result, I can see that the Kirsten Cinema selling a $3,500 road bike frame 
is the same one I've been Facebook friends with for some 15 or so years and the one with whom I share 143 friends, almost all of whom are from the world of Arizona politics and government. And her personal account posted every piece of clothing and equipment that Cotarucci had linked in her story. 84 items on Facebook Marketplace. And kind of wow. None of my business, I guess. None of our business. I mean, this is, after all, a woman who came down to the well of the Senate, curtsied in a plaid Catholic schoolgirl cosplay skirt, and gave the thumbs down to people making something approaching a halfway decent minimum wage. She makes the senator. Uh, uh, she makes the senator's salary. It's not like she's reduced or anything. It, she's making a shit ton of money because senatoring is a pretty good hustle in its own right. But she's got a side hustle doing Facebook yard sales. Damn. Even Joe Manchin doesn't do that. And it, it does, like I said, it's got a kind of a prayer meeting Wednesday flavor to it because I think about how, oh, what was it? I guess Judas was the treasurer, and they had some gold and frankincense and myrrh that had been given to Jesus when he was a baby. And somebody was anointing his feet because back then, you know, it's dusty, it's filthy, it's a nasty place, it's a horrible place to live. And some woman was washing Jesus' feet with her hair and rubbing oil on him. I mean, it's, it's a little weird. But maybe it was Judas who said, Hey, Jesus, why don't we take all that shit and sell it and give it to the poor? At which, according to Kurt Vonnegut Jr., Jesus cracked wise and looked at Judas and said, Ah, Judas, the poor you have always with you. As in, get off my back about the poor. You're always going on about the poor. Give it a rest, Judas. Meanwhile, Judas was thinking, well, yeah, I'm poor too. I mean, 30 pieces of silver might go a long way. Love you, Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, if you are an extremely powerful, and she is, whether we like it or not, powerful, uh, if if Joe Manchin is the queen of the Senate, then certainly she is the prin- uh, she is the princess heir apparent and newly independent. Ugh. Why is she selling this shit? Because she doesn't want some she doesn't want the wrong poor in D.C. or Arizona to I guess in D.C. Uh, to get her Badgley Mishka heels. Or, I mean, athletic apparel, bicycling equipment? Really, couldn't you donate that to, say, big brothers and big sisters? You know, some organization that helps out kids and tries to get them into meaningful athletic activity? Okay, maybe not the Badgley Mishka heels. I wish they made those in a size 13 wide. Shut up. I don't need to wear heels. Tall enough as it is, but really, 
Isn't isn't that just venal as hell? I wonder if she pops the lenses out of her glasses and sells her old eyeglass frames. Because those are designers, too. Oh, well. Piss off, Kirsten. On a uh, more... Well, profound note. Like I like I said earlier, uh, of the Republicans who broke ranks and voted on the stopgap spending bill, those seven of nine, Ron, those seven of nine have it all all at one point in time fucked over the American people, screwed them to the walls, voting to hurt ordinary working people, and that includes Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Adam Kinzinger probably had a voting record with Nitwit Nero that was uh, somewhere north of 90%. But Adam Kinzinger will not be back in the room on January the 3rd. He has run his race. And so, so today was his opportunity to offer up his valedictory. Pretty sure man of silly putty Kevin Kevers McCarthy wasn't there. Because this was not a hail fellow well met, God I'm going to miss you guys, I'm going to miss you guys. No, this wasn't that at all. Following the tragic Oklahoma City bombing, former President George H.W. Bush publicly refuted those who used fear to gain support. In stark contrast, our leaders today belittle and in some cases justify attacks on the U.S. Capitol as, quote, legitimate political discourse. The once great party of Lincoln, Roosevelt, and Reagan has turned its back on the ideals of liberty and self-governance. Instead, it has embraced lies and deceit. The Republican Party used to believe in a big tent which welcomed the tired, the poor, the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Now, we shelter the ignorant, the racist, who only stoke anger and hatred to those who are different than us. Our constituents voted us in based on our beliefs, but we cannot use our faith as a sword and a shield while ignoring the fact that we are all children of God, that we are all Americans. That's going to sting. That's going to leave a mark. We shelter the ignorant, the racist. And he's not wrong. But the problem isn't necessarily the people at whom Adam Kinzinger was directing his remarks. The problem is the people... Who put them in office? This is not the first time we've remarked on that. But it kind of has to be hammered home. There is something fundamentally wrong with a majority of voters. And, you, you know, you need to do the funny statistical stuff. But a majority of voters in the 14th district in Georgia say, and, you know, maybe maybe uh, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgia Stan would like to drill down into this a little bit. But what was the turnout in the Georgia primary that 
first gave Marginal Trailer Queen her nomination to run for Congress. How many people showed up and voted in that primary compared to the number of eligible voters? Then you can look at, say, the 2022 midterms, the general election, and see how many people showed up in her district then. There were obviously enough idiots in the 14th Congressional District in Georgia to put that toxic Jewish space laser uh, imagining gazpacho police uh, quaking fool in Washington for another two years. So while I understand the tenor of Representative Kinzinger's remarks, sooner or later, and, and, and you know what? He has the right to say it to his own constituents. Hey, Adam, you know, maybe you'd like to move to something resembling a civilized state. See what, see what life is like there. Leave the mouth walkers and the knuckle breathers and the people who pick their teeth with their toenail clippings to their own devices and go see how the, how the sane side lives. I'm the hell with somebody to talk about that, you know, living where I live. But then again, Adam Kinsinger has the wherewithal to pick up and move. Yeah. Thank you so much to Saul in Texas. Thank you, Saul. Thank you so very much. We just uh, took the fundraising goal from $88 down to $38. And that will get us um, with the two challenges together. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll reduce the $1,100 by 570 So, let's see. Which would get us down to 530 to go. And make sure that there's a show tomorrow. Thank you. And I wouldn't say there won't be a show tomorrow if if that was not absolutely factually correct. So we're getting very close to being able to do that. Thank you, Saul. Thank you so much. Uh, Meanwhile, I've kept someone on the stress line waiting for a moment or two. Let's run over and see who we've got. Hey, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Robin. Hey, Kevin. How are you? And let me say thank you right off the bat. Thank you very kindly for earlier. You're welcome. Uh, that's one reason I wanted to call. The whole, I have a subscription that is on the 5th of the month. And back in November, after I made the donation in November, I got a, an alert on from PayPal saying I had an invoice, I think, for $499 for some company. So I called PayPal. And it's, of course, automated. And the first transaction that popped up was the donation to head on. And instead of saying, do I want, it asked me if I wanted to challenge this donation. Instead of saying what I should have said, which was no, uh, you automatically thought it was going to that fake invoice and said yes. And so the subscription for December didn't come through. So that was part of the reason for my donation today was to make up for that bits of December donation. 
And come January on the 5th, I'll try to renew that again. But well, thank I just, you. I appreciate I really wanna, it. We appreciate it. We appreciate it so much. Well, I just want to make everyone aware that, of course, scammers are everywhere. And uh, when you see something for $499 that you know you didn't authorize, <laughs> you, know, you want to take care of it. So uh, things are out there like that. And uh, head-on is the only thing I use PayPal for. So, you know, it's not like I use PayPal for anything else. So anyway, I just wanted to let everybody know that that kind of stuff is happening. PayPal said it's been happening, so just be aware. Check your PayPal account periodically. Absolutely. And, and, other than, and you know, they, they will send out notices every now and then, Kevin, saying, you know, all PayPal correspondence will begin with dear and the full name of your account. Yep. And they'll provide a link well, for letting them know if you're getting uh, – dodgy, catfishy emails. Well, this one looked very real, but of course I didn't call the number that was in the body of the email. I went to my PayPal account and called the number that was on there. So, but it looked, uh, and I'm blind, of course, so I'm reading it to my computer, but it sounded exactly the same as a normal PayPal email. So that's another reason, you know, it may have been different to a sighted person, but to me it sounded exactly the same. So anyway, just wanted to warn everybody about that. And then the other part of that donation is just a little bit extra for you this month because we, I know we need it, you need it, and I want to see you have a show tomorrow. So that that was the reason for well, this donation. Well, you were a big part of that. I've got... As soon as the program's over, uh, I'm going to pay the bill, and we will be, hopefully, if we get everything finished, we will be having a program tomorrow. Well, thank you. Uh, that's really all I had, Robin. I just wanted to call in and kind of tell everybody about this PayPal fishing thing that I had, catfishing, whatever you want to call it. You know, it, it was not anything that I authorized, and so... Just want to make everybody aware that, as like anything else nowadays, these things happen. Well, they do. They do. But, but, but uh, that, that may be the only reason you called, but I'm glad you called, and I just want to check in and see if you're doing okay. Yep. I'm, uh, the last three months have been uh, challenging. I don't know if it that's the exact word. My mother passed away on September 1st. My father died exactly 11, 11 weeks later on November 24th. So, you know, um, I'm getting through it, and it's, it's, it's a lot to process. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It's whole, I'm processing. It's. Uh, when my mother died, all of our attention, the family's attention was focused on my father because he was grieving. He was married to her for 66 years. So, so you and you, you, know, you, and, you and Darlene um, have in common a, a pair of parents. Each of your parents were married to, uh, married to the other. Uh, long, long marriages. And yeah. 
and that that is magic in it. That, that there's a certain amount of magic in that in its own right. It is because you don't see it that much anymore, and when you do, of course, the parents at that point are elderly. You know, it's it's not like they were younger. Not to they even make it any easier on the surviving parent, but. When they're 86, when my father was 86, when my mom died, that's hard on a person just because of their age, you know, which is part of the reason I think he died when he did, because he didn't have a uh, fully functioning heart at the age. Anyways, and you add on all that grief to that uh, partly functioning heart, and fortunately, and I say this because it was in a sense he died in the sleep and that was a good thing he didn't suffer he didn't linger so i was very grateful for that and oh yes but it's it's just processing and dealing with all well i mean in in, in the case in the case of your parents and in, in the case of darlene's parents i'm sure there were plenty of opportunities along the way over those many many years when either one could have said, nope, no more of this, I'm done. And they oh. chose not to. Yep. And I, I remember when I was very young, six, seven, somewhere in that age, uh, that coming close to happening. It didn't, like you say, they chose to work through it, but it took effort on both their parts to do that. And without revealing anything about what it was or anything else, it took both of them understanding what the issue was and dealing with it. And from that point on, I think their marriage didn't probably had a few more tests to it that I didn't know about, but that was the biggest major test of their marriage. And from that point on, of course, I had somewhat of a stable life because they were together. I wasn't a child of divorce person. Um, so, you know, uh, lived in the same, uh, the same property. The family has been there now for 63 years, I think it is, that we've been on that property. Oh, no, 59 years, excuse me. I, we moved out there when I was four. And we've owned that property for 59 years now. So, um, you know, I'm very grateful for all that. And, um, oh, um, I don't know what else to say. It's just been a, and and it seems like if you think about just the Horn family, the number of deaths we've had in the Horn family this year, parents, relatives, I know. I've grandchildren. I've actually been thinking about that. I mean, it just, it, it blows your mind to think, and probably within the last six months, much less a year, 
you know, that a lot of these have occurred. And my sympathies go out to Darlene because I know she's dealing with the loss of her parent just as I am and to Todd and uh, Jude and Tracy. You know, I think about all these things happening and how hard it is to deal with, in the case of Jude and Tracy, with the issues that they had to deal with with the deaths of their relatives. Yeah, on, on, to, on, on, on top of the passing itself, the circumstances, absolutely. And you're, you're, exactly, you're, 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 yeah. su- you're, such a good, you're such a good soul for taking that into account. Well, I can't. I, I couldn't imagine having to deal with what Jude and Tracy have had to deal with with their issues on top of the death, the circumstances of the death, and how hard that must be to have to go through that. And I worked yeah, as an EMT, and then I did a side job with the county coroner at the same time, so I've been on the other side of that to see what goes on from the coroner's perspective, but I've also seen the families that have to deal with a death like that and the the questions that won't get answered because there are no answers to the questions sometimes. And that's just, you know, very hard. I my questions, as far as my parents are answered, I know why they died and and what caused their death. But it, in some of the cases in our Horn family, they don't have the answers to that question. So, and also to Scott, I want to mention uh, while you're moving the cones back and forth. My father had similar back issues to what it sounds like you have. And there were times he would just be walking and his legs would give out on him. No pain, nothing, didn't hurt him. His legs would just give out on him. And that sounds somewhat similar to what Scott has. So I I know you've been looking into where you're at, but just Keep in mind that walker is there for a reason until you get strong enough not to use it. So hang in there, do the physical therapy, and um, move the cones. Hopefully, yep, move the cones back. And and while you're moving the cones back and forth, you can think about the Kirsten Cinema heel on the Donald Trump digital trading card with Donald Trump. Selling for ninety nine cents, and that's a good deal. You know, so <laughs> wait. You know, you just you just you just brought up an entirely new idea, Kevin. I love this. You know, when when right wingers write books and they show up on like the 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 um, rankings, like the New York Times book the bestseller list, and they've got that dagger next to it that indicates that the sales are driven by purchases in bulk. You know, where yep. the, 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 the right-wing think tank of American greatness, uh, bald, eagle, joyful, patriotic, etc., and, and they buy a million copies of the book, they get the dagger. 
and then they offer them as premiums to their mouth walking, knuckle breathing, uh, pick their uh, pick their teeth with their toenail clippings followers. And then eventually you're wandering through Dollar Tree one day or Dollar General or Family Dollar or General Dollar Tree. And you stop in. The, and the book section there is nothing but remaindered right-wing garbage. The hardbacks. Yep. Well, where do, where do non-fungible token trading cards go to die? Because I really, I, I, I really, I really need to see some of Nitwit Nero's trading cards going for like three cents in the remainder bin at, at Dollar Tree. Well, like you mentioned, what can you do with a digital trading card? You can't trade them. You can't even put them in the spokes of your bicycle. You know? God love you what for remembering you putting cards in the spokes of your bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some maggot out there that ordered that digital trading card thinking their kid can put it in the spokes of the bicycle and ride around with it. And they're just waiting at the mailbox for the card, like you said. So, but it, I just keep thinking of Kristen Sinema's heels on Donald Trump on the front of the trading card. Well, I'm, I'm somehow just, that, somehow, I mean, somehow I'm just, I'm, I'm a little surprised that she's out there scrounging to sell her used yoga pants? Really? The obvious question you have to ask is why? You know, she's not hurting for money. But why? Does she think, does she think like Donald Trump, that it's a collector's item? Well, the fact of the matter is, is she purports to be a member of the LGBTQQIA plus community. She's from the B part of the community. And there are shelters out there for at-risk people who have been thrown out of their homes for coming out. And some of them are probably women who are the same size as Kirsten. And those shelters will... Those shelters accept donations so that they can provide clothing for people who desperately need it and i'm sure you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure they're not just oh really badgley mishka oh really lululemon we'll save this for the cute homeless the the, the cute homeless by uh, by person no i mean yeah. well, to this to the same extent that i excoriated her when she thumbs down the uh uh, minimum wage legislation. You know the the question I asked back then is how many members of her marginalized community could have actually used a raise to fifteen dollars an hour, but she fucked them. Yep. Yep. And that's. I despise her more than I do someone like Trump because she seems to be working whatever side of the aisle is most advantageous for her. And if that means being a member of the Green Party, fine. If that means being a Democrat, fine. 
I expect one day she will gravitate to the Republican Party when it's advantageous for her. Well, right, because in the in, in the final analysis, Kirsten Cinema is a member of the Kirsten Cinema Party. That she really right. is well placed as an independent. Truth be told, because she's not about Arizona, she's not about the United States nope. of America. She is about Kirsten Cinema. Yep. And and I think maybe the reason you despise her more than you do a mainline Republican is because she held herself out as something she was not. Yep. And as such, she is deserving of the same degree of disgust and disdain that we reserve for the betrayers. Because she is one. Because she is. Because she is. Plain and simple. To her community, like you're saying, the LGBTQ community, she is because of the things you just mentioned. You can't say that you're this when you do that. Quote from the Bible, you shall know them by their fruits. And that's Kirsten Cinema. We know her by her fruits. And I'm not in Arizona, so I'll never get a chance to vote for or not vote for. But I will almost guarantee you next time she comes up for reelection, she will not be reelected. I guess she's planning on splitting the vote between. <laughs> and I would not not be at all surprised to see Carrie Lake run against her as the Republican nominee in 24 in Arizona. Ruben Gallego is the Democrat, and she thinks she's going to split the difference and slither back in for another term. And I don't do the. I don't think she will, because, like you say, Republicans will not vote for the Republican light. They will vote for the Republican, and of course, the Democrats are going to vote for Gallegos. So you know. I don't think she'll be reelected just because she's done what she's done. And nobody in either party really has any respect for her. I would, but then again, you got to remember, what was it, maybe a month, month and a half ago when um, Addison Mitch McConnell, the most loathsome thing ever to creep, crawl, slither, or otherwise slime out of Colbert County, Alabama, uh, declared that, uh, well, Kirsten, Kirsten is one of the most uh, effective senators I have ever seen in my long and storied career in the new 90 States Senate. Yeah, but then again, he thought Herschel Walker would be an effective senator. Well, they kind of walked that one back in the last couple of days. I told y'all we were running some <laughs> stupid candidates. Did you listen? No. <laughs> Well, he doesn't get to be um, the Senate Majority Leader, so he's a little bit ticked at that. Uh, well, he, as far as I'm concerned, he can die mad about it, as the saying goes. And by the way, I, I want to let you know, you got, a, you got a note from Silent R. Lamar. Silent R. Lamar has been uh, off the radar for a while. Uh, he said to me earlier, under a new witness protection group, uh, happy to hear you online. Oh, shit, they're knocking at my door. Oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Silent R. Lamar said, though, I feel for Kevin. My father and mother were married 75 years. My father passed away. Mother's still living. And I've moved in to help her. And, yes, I'm still married, and my wife is doing the same. 
It's hard loving your parents and doing what is necessary. I'm going to leave it at that. Well, Silent R. Lamar, you, 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 I'm, I'm sure. It, well, I, I pretty, I'm sure I speak on behalf of the entire Horn Family Community Congregation when I say that uh, you are much respected. For yes, our you're sympathies saying. and our encouragement. Uh, it, it, it is in the eleven weeks. Between, between my mom passing and my dad passing, we, the family, meaning my cousins and I that were close to my d- cousins that were close to my dad in Florida, tried to get him in an assisted living, tried to do things for him. Of course, I was down there for part of that, and he just wanted to go home to die. He wasn't depressed. He wasn't going to kill himself, but he just wanted to be home where he had no real business being, and he didn't want anybody there with him. And it was very hard to deal with that, um, particularly when the parent is not uh, senile or um, anything like that. They have a choice. You can't force them to do something. And that was very hard to watch and go through. And so I feel for you, Lamar, because I know your mom is dealing with things like that, uh, dealing with the grief, dealing with her issues medically, and you're having to deal with that as well. So um, I send you my encouragement because you're taking the opportunity to help your mom, and that's a very good thing. So, so anyway, um, like I said, Robin, I just wanted to call in and mention that about the PayPal thing and say hello and kind of announce um, subtly, I guess, that I'm back, such as it is, and um, enjoy listening and look forward to listening tomorrow. Well, thank you, Kevin. Stay well, stay warm, and uh, well, just know that we're glad you're out there. Well, thank you, and I will be talking to you sometime soon. All right. Take care, Kevin. Bye. You too. bye Kevin in Colorado Springs. What a... What a profound and compassionate account of what cannot be described as anything but a painfully difficult situation. So we are coming up on the close of the second hour of the program on this Thorn in the Side Thursday. I can't, uh, I can't just blow past this story. You may recall the name of a uh, maggot rioter by the name of Baked Alaska. His real name is Tim Gionette, G-I-O-N-E-T. And he's uh, 
he was he was a member of the terrorist attack on the capital of the United States on January the sixth. And he's going to be going to jail for a while for his role. And having seen the news, the really big announcement, the major announcement, it's a major announcement, believe me, trust me, about the $99 NFT trading card series. Really, I'm not kidding. I want to. I, I, I want to know who the people are who are going to. Emery, we can't just start with the one. We've got to get them all. We've still got a 401k, ain't we, Emery? Well, I think I, I think we need to make sure we get all the cards, Emery. That we can frame them and hang them on the wall here where we can see them from our matching barca loungers here in the Ballerina Swan Lake Trailer Court and Country Club. I mean, it, it, would, be, it would be at least sociologically interesting to see what kind of person does that. Up the road from me, there's a guy who shelled out perfectly good American money for a flag that says, Fuck Joe Biden! And, well, I know who it is, and not at all surprised. But Tim Gianette, baked Alaska, saw the major announcement, really major, and went on Twitter, and the grief is just, the, 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 the grief just, the regret just comes off of his tweet in waves. As he said, I can't believe I'm going to jail for an NFT salesman. Really? Well, bub, you are. You bought into it. You bought the ticket. And, hon, you're taking the ride. And earlier in the day, he also said, listen, this 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 digital card thing, he knows he can't win in 2024. Which is probably a solid analysis. He got, he, he got off lightly, baked Alaska did. He was allowed to plead guilty to one misdemeanor count of parading, demonstrating, or picketing inside a Capitol building. And he's looking at all all of potentially six whole months in the stir. Federal jail, not prison. So he's not going to have a felony rap. And he may not even get the six months. Maybe, Maybe this was a gambit in his own right to prove that he's rehabilitated and he knows he was conned. And so maybe he could just wear a stylish little ankle bracelet for six months, maybe, just possibly. Yeah. Oh, and thank you. Thank you very kindly, Jeremy in Vermont. Thank you so much. We're down to $18 to go on our Anonymous Friends two-for-one challenge. 18 bucks, And that'll uh, 
that'll knock us down uh, about half of the hole that we're in and fund a couple of days of programming. Not quite two, but yeah, two, two full days of programming. So that'll be wonderful. Thank you if we can finish that off. Um, Scott in San Diego uh, taking a break from moving cones. Love you, Scott. Is that NFT or NDA? I mean, we are talking Trump here. What could NFT stands for besides non-fungible token? No fucking talent? No fucking Trump? I don't know why F has to be the, the, the copulation word, but it just seems to fit. So that, I can't believe I'm going to jail for an NFT, an NFT grifter. Well, believe it, Baked Alaska. Sucker! That's, this is the point in the program where Bugs Money holds up the card. The first card has a screw on it, and the second one has a ball. And how about... Um, how about this? Two stories of the judicial system at work in Michigan. Oh, by the way, Ralph says, I have to wonder how many Trump trading cards there are. As many as their minds can conceive. Trump as Wolverine, Trump as Captain America... Um, maybe Trump as Hulk Hogan. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Trump as Batman. I'm, ba- I'm Batman. <laughs> Somehow the voice works with it. I'm Batman. Damn it! I don't know why I just made myself laugh with that. <laughs> Trump as Aquaman. <laughs> Oh, wait. Trump as the Silver Surfer. Or maybe the Orange Boogie Boarder. Sorry, I'm just amusing myself at this point. No, a story of uh, two moments in the judicial system of Michigan. 44-year-old Pete Musico, his son-in-law Joe Morrison, age 28, and 24-year-old Paul Bellar walked into court in Jackson County, Michigan today. Back in October, a jury, tried and true, heard the evidence and convicted all three of providing material support for the, the terrorist act, namely the plot to kidnap and try, scare quotes around try, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the midst of the great spring 2020 COVID hissy. They provided material support to a couple of dudes who have been convicted of masterminding, if you can use that term, the whole operation. Remember, these are the, these are the numbnuts who in March or early April of 2020, with the snow still flying and piling up in Michigan, 
got all upset, marched around, showed everybody their freedom protector penis extensions, and said, I got a constitutional right to mow my snow. I can't mow my snow if I can't go to the Home Depot and get my, my mowing supplies for snow mowing. Hell of a sentence. Pete Musico, 44 years old, was given and Can we have more of these, please? On two separate charges of supporting terrorism and gang charges, because remember, they were members of the... Oh, this is just too perfect. They were members of the Wolverine Militia. Wolverines! How many years have we been doing that bit? Well past, like, 15 or something? Um, yeah. Wolverines! Well, he's going to do consecutive, not concurrent. Concurrent means that you serve all your terms running parallel with each other. No, Pete Musico is going to do two consecutive terms of 5 to 20 in prison. And then he's going to do two more years for felony firearms violations. His son-in-law, Joe Morrison, is going to do uh, consecutive terms of 4 to 20 on the first two counts. And then two years on felony firearms convictions. So that means they're at least 10 and 12 years, theoretically. And 24-year-old young Paul Bellar... Jesus, got 5 to 20 on the first two counts, but he gets to serve them concurrently. And then he has to do two more years for felony firearms violations. The assistant attorney general who argued the case, uh, Sunita Dadamani, told the court that they absolute, the court absolutely had to hand down hard sentences for all three pointing out that in Bellar's case, the 24-year-old youngin, Bellar made multiple statements about wanting to do real, lasting violence. Ms. Dadamani said, we're not just talking about inappropriate comments, Judge, or concerning comments. We're talking about comments, and these are all admitted evidence saying things like, I hope the cops put their back plates in tonight, you know, because he wanted to shoot cops in the back. Then he said, I swear to God, I'm going to fucking Molotov her house, talking about throwing a Molotov cocktail at Governor Whitmer's residence. And Ms. Dadamani went on to say, these are not just inappropriate comments. No, they're not. Kind of wish Ms. Dadamani worked for the Department of Justice. She might be able to teach him a thing or two. Governor Whitmer, in, in, in the meantime, said, asked the court to impose a sentence that meets the gravity of what they have done. Our system is stronger than plots created in basements. And defense attorneys tried to keep it from being read. The defense attorneys, by the way, also... Wow, look. Being a defense attorney is no walk in the park. And you got to do 
what you got to do. And to that end, well, the lawyers in the case actually argued, well, it's one of those, it's in the Constitution. The lawyers said that uh, it was a violation of their clients. Wait for it. Constitutional First and Second Amendment rights. Bellar, for instance, his lawyer argued that Bellar had a constitutional First Amendment right to say that he wanted to shoot cops in the back. As noted. Um, and the petty foggers also said, well, they didn't know they were going to try to kidnap the governor or nothing. Remember, they were going to try Gretchen Whitmer on charges of <clears throat> treason because they couldn't mow their snow. Can't make this shit up. Well, fellas, I'm sure they're I'm sure the sentences will be appealed. I hope they withstand appellate scrutiny. And none of them see the outside of a prison looks like mm, 2034 fine by me in fact that'll be too soon and one hopes the same eventually finds the people who really drove the January 6th conspiracy and not just six months with an ankle monitor like baked Alaska will probably get. Uh, by the way, Billable Rick says, uh, Kevin and Lady B. Kevin is an empathetic and strong man. He's doing amazingly well for having lost both of his parents in the past three and a half months. I know that Kevin and Lady B both live in the Springs, they appear to share many similar traits, intelligence, compassion, determination, open-mindedness. wonder if they've ever met. If not, they should do a meetup and have a horn-side porch. I think so, too. That could, be, that could be wonderful. But I said two cases. Uh, thank you, Billable. I said two cases coming out of Michigan. All right, so we got a, we, we got a guy here. And his name is Anthony Shacks Jr. And he was doing time in the penitentiary system of the state of Michigan. Because he'd been convicted on armed robbery charges and and a charge of this is interesting. Felony firearm pneumatic gun. So he was already doing 
long time in a prison in Michigan. But that 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 phrase, felony firearm, pneumatic gun, and the fact that there's an armed robbery charge with it, doesn't that sound like dude did an armed robbery with a BB gun? Pneumatic gun? Maybe a pellet gun? Probably more like one of those Crossman pellet pistols? Just guessing. But he was already doing his uh, time. Anthony Shacks was. He was 24 years old. And back in April 2019, he asked to see his psychiatric worker one day. And when he came back to his cell at the Saginaw Correctional Facility, well, he shared a cell with a 50-year-old dude named Michael Anastasio. Michael Anastasio, uh, meantime... had been in prison since December 2018, so about five months. He had at least 12 felony convictions. And evidence adduced at trial showed that Anastasio was a white supremacist. Okay, let's be clear. So when 24-year-old Anthony Slacks, who, by the way, is a young black man, returned to his cell in April 2019, white supremacist cellmate Michael Anastasio tried to rape him. And I'm guessing it was not the first attempt. 24-year-old young Mr. Slacks, Shacks, defended himself by beating Michael Anastasio to death with a master lock tied to the electrical cord of a hot plate. He also stabbed him with a pen. A few hours later, Michael Anastasio trundled off to hell. Before the attempted before the attempted rape, the reason Michael Shacks asked to see his psychiatric worker was because he said he was having a breakdown. It's not hard to conceive that a young black man of twenty four years of age would have a psychiatric breakdown. after having been housed with a white supremacist with a string of convictions as long as his arm, who had a taste for rape. It was already going to be a while before Anthony Shacks got out of the stir 
he wasn't going to get out until 2042 on the charge of armed robbery and felony firearm new BB gun. But the sickest part of this, the sickest part of this, is that now he won't, he very likely won't see the outside of a prison until February 2060, no matter how much he rehabilitates. Because he was actually convicted of manslaughter for defending himself against a rapist. He was originally charged with open murder. That's a term of art in the Michigan Code. But when his case went to trial in September, he weighed the odds and pled guilty to manslaughter. And the judge just handed down a sentence of between 62 months to 30 years. And somehow that smells like injustice. What was he supposed to do? I, I, I have I have no good answer. And I don't know what it must it must I don't know what it must do to a human mind to know that you were maxed out at the year 2042, 20 years from now, and it just got 18 years added on top of it. No one has a crystal ball. No one knows if he'll get out and be a good citizen or just having spent 20-plus years studying in criminal university just be a slightly better criminal. Or maybe just have his mind reduced entirely to mush. We don't know. But it seems a shitty thing for a prosecutor not to take note that a man in prison, even a man in prison, should have the right to defend himself against rape. And they admitted evidence at the trial that Anastasio was a white supremacist. And they still arm-twisted the young man into a guilty plea for defending the integrity of his own body. I wonder what's going to happen to the maggot insurrectionists, the Wolverine militiamen. Uh, when they get to the prison. I attended a wedding once in Jackson, Michigan, many years ago. One of my best friends was getting married. 
And there's a state penitentiary there, too. And all along the interstate, there were signs, like within 15 miles, saying, do not pick up hitchhikers, prison nearby. Which doesn't, (laughs) to my mind back then, didn't exactly inspire confidence in the ability of the officials there to keep their prisoners inside the prison walls. But there you go. Uh, By the way, Scott in San Diego, I was thinking BB gun. Scott said, I was thinking nail gun. Uh, P.S. Please mention that uh, All There Is podcast for Kevin in Colorado Springs. Very sensitive and insightful comment. All There Is. I saw the email come through. Where'd it go? Uh, yeah, there it is, listening tip. I recommend the Anderson Cooper podcast, All There Is. It deals with loss and grief. I thought he and his guests did a good job on the topic. Thanks, Scott. Scott's out there rehabbing and still thinking of the other members of the Horn Family Community Congregation. Sorry, it's one of those pauses. Back in a sack. Sorry, back. Um, We are $18 away from meeting our anonymous friend's doubling challenge, which would get us down to... uh, Oh, I did the math earlier. Under $600 for for the hole that we're in. Preserve our ability to have a show tomorrow. So thanks to everybody who's gotten us down uh, down that far. Like I said, I'm kind of caught between the devil and the deep blue sea on this. On the one hand, I got emails saying, fundraising? And then I get emails calling this Robin's Trans Telethon now. It's a thing. Uh, moving on now. Oh, by the way, the lines are open if you'd like to engage in some conversation this evening. It's been a We've had plenty of content to work with. Um, stress lines open, 844-843-4676. 844-THE-HORN. Skype, uh, you can dial in at area code 304-574-8178, or you can just use Bob Kincaid Horn. Either way works fine. 
Hey, let's check in to uh, let's check in with uh, another outbreak of freedom in Merca. We 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 travel to the scene of the latest stoppage of the National Ruble I mean Rifle Association's roulette wheel of chaos, mayhem, and death. Uh, we travel to the central west end of St. Louis, Missouri. According to uh, a, a, a publication called the Riverfront Times, and their reporter Monica Obradovich, St. Louis Metropolitan Police say an unknown man entered the drive-through at KFC's Central West End location on Monday evening last. When, to the man's horror, he was told KFC. Wait for it. Had run out of corn. He was going through the drive-through. The man began to spew threats at employees through the drive-through speaker box, and later on, he came back to the drive-through. No, really, dude drove away cornless. Went somewhere. Got his freedom protector. And came back through the drive-through with the gun. 25-year-old man walked outside the store to address the concerns of the customer. At which point, the unknown man, because he got away, uh, a guy in his 40s or 50s, He got away after he pulled out his feet, his Second Amendment freedom protector and shot the young uh, the, the the young worker in the guts. The young man came back into the KFC yelling. I've been shot! As of the latest update, he's listed in critical but stable condition. Corn. You know, I don't, I really don't, I really don't think you should have to run the risk of being gut shot in this country over an absence of corn at KFC. But we can't do anything about it because the pasty-faced, doughy, old white dudes who are too chicken shit to go to Walmart because there might be somebody there shooting people over being out of corn have to have their have to have their 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 their, their Second Amendment whoobies. Jesus. I mean, what, what? That, that poor, that poor young man. Maybe even still living at home. Honey, you have a good day at work now. Okay, Mama. 
And then she gets a call. Yeah, there was a guy who wanted some corn, and they were out of corn. So he, he gut shot your boy. What the... And, of course, odds are the dude who fled, you know the drill, lawful gun owner. That was quick, Scott in San Diego. All out, of, all out of corn on the sloop John B. The poor cook, he caught the fits and threw away all my grits. And then he took and he ate up all my corn. Let, uh, let me go home. Why don't they let me go home? This is the worst trip I've ever been on. Okay. Not a funny story, but a funny response. Now I have to listen to Sloop John B. after the program, but Jesus Christ, really? And I don't have a hard time imagining the, let's say, demographics of that situation. And this is just, this is just another in a long string of chaos brought to you by the Republican Party. We had the story not long back that came out of uh, the Buckeye State of the guy who blew away his neighbor because he thought he was a Democrat. Or the story last week of the guy in the uh, retirement community in Florida who blew away the president of his homeowners association and her husband over leaving the door open to the laundry room. At what point do we... I mean, look, the Wild West was not this stupid. You had to check your damn guns when you walked into the saloon. to keep the stupid people who drank liquor and beer from deciding to shoot each other. I guess that's what we would have called back then a common-sense gun law. There are pictures in the West Virginia archives of... of, of uh, apparently it was the wild West Virginia back then. Guys in the coal fields pointing guns at each other while... a while a, a photographer who just happened to be in the billiard hall and, and saloon took pictures. Group pictures where everybody's got a rifle. But even that shit wasn't as zany as what we're dealing with today, and it's the direct result of generations of propaganda coming from the NRA telling everybody, well, it's a dangerous country, you better get a gun. with most of America utterly oblivious to the fact that it's a dangerous country because there's an organization out there telling everybody to get a gun. And whether it's the dude in Ohio, the dude in Florida, or the dude in Missouri, every one of these sons of bitches probably has 
a piece of paper on file with the uh, ATF in which he says, no, I'm sane. And there, we could we could do an entirely separate show that was nothing but gun violence twenty every blessed day. And probably fifty percent of it would be really, really, really stupid, and probably perpetrated by white Republicans. But it's not always guns. No, no. Sometimes it's fire. Take, for instance, something that happened back in 2021 while a couple were on vacation to Branson, Missouri. Oh, Jesus. They were from Tennessee. Kind of makes sense. Allen and Kirsten Mays were on vacation in Branson when their house was burned to ash. The only thing left standing was the chimney. Alan and Kirsten Mays are an interracial couple. Their marriage was protected by the Respect for Marriage Act that passed the Congress recently. Alan Mays is a black man. Kirsten is a white woman. And, of course, whoever, whoever burned down the house um, spray-painted that word, lover, on the wall of the drained swimming pool. <sighs> because Merca, greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe, under God, you know it. And uh, hey, thank you to Tom and Sonny San Rafael. Uh, challenge plus one. So our anonymous friends two for one challenge has been entirely met. And that will make sure that we have an actual no kidding pro- program tomorrow and going forward. And, and we'll worry about the power bill and other things next. Ah, oh, Jerry. Jerry sending me a photograph. Sorry, Robin. Take one for the team. Hazards of your work. Ha, 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 ha. And, of course, it's a photograph of shirt, the four horsemen of the Derpocalypse. Now there are five. Uh, shirtless Pootie. Shirtless Nitwit Nero with his hand reaching around, groping Pootie's right moob. And, of course, Napoleon Bonapartheid behind Trump and behind Napoleon Bonapartheid, the, and in the corner, (laughs) Dr. Oz. Hey, guys, wait for me. Life was a little simpler before Photoshop, wasn't it? Jerry, life is complicated enough. Yay, says Ralphs, for the challenges being met. So, yeah, we were at 1,100, so now we are down five. We're down to 480. 
480 to go. And that is a tremendous, tremendous help. Thank you. The more we do, the less we got to do. True, true. Our anonymous friend said, uh, well, your fundraising is still not as shameless as PBS. Try not to be. We mention it, we move on. But then again, they only do it like public radio. They only do it like every two months or something. But thank you for the challenge. Took a great weight off of me. I hate it that it gets this way. Uh, As to Facebook Marketplace, Billable Rick says, uh, it's a very good platform for selling your unneeded stuff. I'm trying to sell Stars 2010 Volkswagen CC, which has 170,000 miles on it and isn't presently running as it needs a timing chain and or turbocharge unit. We priced the vehicle at 1200 bucks and have received 244 inquiries about it since last Sunday. No other site seems to generate real interest in stuff you're selling, so I understand why Curtsy and Kirsten is selling her used jade eggs and goop on Marketplace. Oh, Jesus! Used jade eggs on Marketplace. Uh, FYI, I was banned from Facebook Marketplace from September until December 18th for a March 10th posting of a derogatory reference, swear words, on on Facebook about dear leader Pooty Poot and his invasion of Ukraine. I believe that I called Putin a fucking barbarian for his actions. Truth is no defense with the Facebook police. Strangely, I was never banned from Facebook, but was banned from Facebook Marketplace six months after the offensive Facebook post. I must have offended Russian trolls busily laboring in a Facebook Marketplace boiler room. No, 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 that's, that's, that's just capitalism billable. As, as if you're not if you're not using Facebook Marketplace, they'll put you in Facebook jail. But if you are, they'll hit you where it hurts, the pocketbook. Trying to keep the bottle quiet this evening. And since we've been dealing with gun stories, some resolution in Fort Worth, Texas. As uh, a cop, <laughs> well, I'll be dipped. A cop actually got convicted for shooting a black woman. A Tatiana Jefferson was at her mama's home in 2019. She was playing video games late night on the couch with her nephew when Fort Worth police, who had been actually sent out on a wellness check, came through an open door and wasted a Tatiana Jefferson. Well, the jury tried and true heard the murder case, but, well, dude was sitting there in his cop in uniform, all blue, and you know, his badge on and stuff, and... Well, it just wouldn't be fair to send him up for murdering a woman that he murdered. So they split the difference and convicted him for manslaughter.
so um, he'll be sentenced at a later day. It took the jury two days to deliberate on the char- on the charges. But he's going to be sentenced, and hopefully he goes to prison. Now, Tatiana Jefferson was only 28 years old and did not need to be summarily executed by a white cop who couldn't even follow procedure. The chief, police chief in Fort Worth, Ed Kraus, apologized personally to Tatiana Jefferson's family, apologized to the community of Fort Worth, and uh, at, a, at a press conference in October 2019 said, Had the officer not resigned, I would have fired him for violations of several policies, including our use of force policy, our de-escalation policy, and unprofessional conduct. And uh, Tatiana Jefferson's little nephew was eight years old at the time. He's 11 now. He testified at the trial. He'll never stop remembering that night or the trial. Counsel asked him, what did you think when you saw that your auntie had been shot? And he said, I was thinking, is it a dream? The whole thing was a nightmare, to say the very least. The call didn't come into 911. It went to the non-emergency police line because a neighbor saw that Tatiana's mama's door was open. He thought it unusual. So the police chief, or the police, uh, sent were sent out on what is called an open structure call, meaning, hey, we got a door open. But instead, they decided to... Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, they sent out a wellness check, but they treated it as an open structure call, an open door. And so the cop, Officer Dean, and Carol Darch showed up, parked away from the house, and, you know, stealth ninja snuck up on the house. And at trial... Dean said he thought there was a burglary uh, taking place. And he saw a gun pointed at him because phantom guns are always being pointed at cops who have been charged with murdering people. Tatiana Jefferson had hopes of becoming a doctor. She graduated college at Xavier University of Louisiana. And they showed the body cam footage, and Officer Dean yells at a Tatiana Jefferson after going around to the back of the house and then turns toward the window and screams, Put your hands up! Show me your hands! And then wasted her. Shot her right through the window. But he will be 
sentenced for manslaughter. I'll, although I'll bet you, I'll bet you that uh, he won't even get the sentence that the young man in prison in Michigan got for defending himself against being raped by a white supremacist. Two Americas, right? Right. So we've... Uh, We have indeed had a heck of a thorn in the side Thursday. And just to wrap things up, put a pretty little bow on things. 41 members of the Democratic Caucus in the House of Representatives, led by Representative David uh, Ciccolini, introduced a bill today. in the press release that Representative Ciccolini of Rhode Island put out, and if I'm mispronouncing, I, I, I apologize. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution states, No person shall hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. And then the press release reads, Donald Trump very clearly engaged in an insurrection on January 6, 2021 with the intention of overturning lawful and fair results of the 2020 election. You don't get to lead a government you tried to destroy, Congressman Ciccolini said. Even Mitch McConnell admits that Trump bears responsibility, saying on the Senate floor, uh, there's no question none that President Trump is practically more responsible will provoke the events of the day. The 14th Amendment makes clear that based on his past behavior, Donald Trump is disqualified from ever holding federal office again, and under Section 5, Congress has the power to pass legislation to implement this prohibition. This legislation details testimony and evidence demonstrating how Donald Trump engaged in insurrection against the United States. It specifically details how Donald Trump engaged in insurrection when he helped to plan and encourage the insurgents on January 6th, despite knowing that the election results were lawful, attempted to intimidate state and federal officials when they did not support his false claims and unlawful plans, tried to manipulate Mike Pence into unlawfully refusing to certify the election results, despite Mr. Pence's and legal advisor's assertion that he held no such authority and supported the violent insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th, refusing for hours to denounce or act against the mob and putting thousands of lives in danger. So, let's take a moment and show some gratitude for some patriots. Earl Blumenauer, Jamal Bowman, Tony Cardenas, Andre Carson, Sean Caston, Judy Chu, Yvette Clark, Emmanuel Cleaver II, Gerald Connolly, Danny K. Davis, Mark DeSonier, Adriano Espilat, Dwight Evans, Jimmy Gomez, Al Green, Sheila Jackson Lee, Pramila Jayapal, 
Henry C. Hank Johnson Jr., Mondaire Jones, Connor Lamb, Barbara Lee, Ted Liu, Alan Lowenthal, James P. McGovern, Jerry McInerney, Marie New Newman, Eleanor Holmes Norton, Donald M. Payne Jr., Shelley Pingree, Lucille Royball Allard, Jan Schakowsky, Mark Takano, Rashida Tlaib, Richie Torres, Nydia M. Vasquez, Bonnie Watson Coleman, Nakema Williams, Frederica S. Wilson. Well, it's late in the game. This Congress is all but done. This is ceremonial, to say the most. But to those who would say, yeah, yeah, so what? It is something. And the litany of things that he did and did not do may wind up being part of the January 6th referral to the Department of Justice. Because it sounds like it tracks the evidence that the January 6th committee has already adduced. A month or so ago, uh, Congressman Sicoline wrote to his colleagues and said, this language in our Constitution clearly intended to bar insurrectionists from holding high office in the United States. Given the proof demonstrated through the January 6th committee hearings, the 2021 impeachment trial, and other reporting that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection on January 6th with the intention of overturning the lawful 2020 election results, I've drafted legislation that would prevent Donald Trump from holding public office again under the 14th Amendment. The bill language itself says its purpose is to provide that Donald J. Trump is ineligible to again hold the office of President of the United States or to hold any office, civil or military, under the United States. Sometimes we must be satisfied with what we get and that must be enough. It would have been great if this could have come sooner. It would have been even better if there could have been hearings held on it. But at least this Congress, or 41 members of it, are not going quietly into that good night. So I'm still, I'm still inclined to give them praise for doing what they have done. Randy Radar said, Donald Trump in hot water again? Call me when the water's boiling. Well... The water's getting hotter and hotter, and the frog ain't moving. Although I know it's frustrating to watch how slowly the wheels of justice grind. So, that pretty much brings us to the end of the program. Although, well, no, we'll save that for another day.
there is one other little last thing of note. Ron and Raleigh sent this along. I mentioned either earlier this week or maybe last week the fact that there has been an ethics referral of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to, uh, to the Ethics Committee. And while the Ethics Committee did not mention what that was or what the cause of it was, it seems to be an open secret that it has to do with her attendance at the Met Gala. Uh, you might recall that over a year ago, AOC um, attended the Met Gala, which of course is an extremely expensive um, billionaire prom, or at least millionaire prom. I guess the tickets run about seventeen five a piece, and she showed millionaire prom in a designer dress that bore the legend across it, Tax the Rich. And this, of course, has caused major butthurt on the part of the white wing. Uh, the, uh, of course, the, the maggots in the white wing hate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with the heat of a million suns because every time they try to raise their voice against her, uh, she, being a young woman savvy in the ways of social media, slaps them back down the cesspit out of which they crawled. She, uh, she caught hell from left and right with the dress and the Met Gala. People wondering how you wind up getting inside something like a millionaire prom like that when you're a hero of the working class. But the, I, I suppose the ethics inquiry will have to do with and, and make no mistake, this was generated by butthurt wingnuts who never said a word about, say, Matt Gates paying a, an underage girl for sex or anything. And so we'll have to listen to that in addition to the Endless refrains of Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, etc., and the rest of it. Well, thank you, Jude. Jude said, just got home, Robin, and wanted to send out the warmest of thought energy to all of our community. Thank you. And it returns to you, Jude, pressed down and shaken together. Uh, Lady B says, did KFC have surveillance cameras, or do they just keep those cameras in the kitchen and near the registers? We all know people who firmly believe minimum wage workers deserve just that. Why pay the CNA who wipes your mother's ass a living wage? Maybe if they went to college, they'd have better jobs. As a janitor with a master's degree, I can tell you life ain't black and white. 
The shades of gray most of us exist in are only a severe illness or death of a spouse partner away from leaving you virtually penniless. Yes, you too can have your 401k wiped out by a severe illness. And if you don't know shit about computers or don't have family money, good luck. Those 60-year-old women cleaning tables aren't there because they want to be. I know a dear woman, 74 years old, and I see her a lot of the time when I go to the grocery store. And she says, well, just as soon be here as sitting at home watching TV. But somehow or another, it seems like we should be able to craft a society where those aren't the only alternatives. Coming to work and being broke or staying at home and being broke. I wish the worker well, Lady B says. I don't know if you got my email, but we have more guns than people here in the springs. I, I saw that. I uh, meant to get to it. I'm sorry I didn't. Roughly 27% of those gun owners will never give up their semi-automatic weapons. Kids are more likely to die by guns more than anything else. For a first world country, we're number one in the fucking world in gun deaths. That's a bite the gold medal, fuck the head cheerleader accomplishment. Can't say we've never given it our all. P.S. Sloop John B.'s a great song. Uh, that pick strumming on the intro was done by Carol Kay. She also does something similar on Elton John's The Bitch Is Back. In 50 years, she's played on over 10,000 recordings. What have you done today? <sighs> Actually, I contemplated... Never mind. Uh, thanks, Lady V. You have a good night, too. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to our PayPal and Patreon subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors coming through again tonight, making sure we've got a program tomorrow and into next month. Thank you to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Roger in Oregon, to Steve in Georgia Stan, and maybe I'm not. Maybe it's time to take the stand off. No, not yet. We're still purple. We're not blue. And thank you to Sparky. Thank you. Thanks to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. Head on dot live. Remember, brand new fresh Malloy on the way. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. And whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast, please, pretty please, like and subscribe. I think that's what I'm supposed to say. Please. And, uh, well, thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the men and women of Coal River Mountain Watch, the folks of Coal River Mountain Watch, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Don't assume that it will not work. Get your booster. Get your flu shot. Get your shingle shots. Wipe down your surfaces. Help stop the spread of RSV. Wear your masks when you're in crowded areas, especially if you're among the great maggot unwashed and unvaxxed. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, keep your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And 
Well, of course, if you go walking down the street and hear somebody babbling about, how'd that AOC afford that dress and them tickets? Avoid that maggot like the plague. Because they are. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later.